0: But it, it's just looking at what's happening um, around uh, the globe, now that story that just keeps on giving, it just won't go away. <laughs> the Greeks and the debt default and uh, seemingly uh, the probability of that default is rising by the day. But apparently, arena, this does not necessarily mean that Greece will be kicked out of the Eurozone. So how does that work?
1: Yes, indeed, Sakina. So I think for, for a long time we've almost been assuming that if Greece defaults on some of its debt, it will necessarily be be kicked out of the Eurozone, but it would now seem as though there are certainly a number of different technical reasons why um, Greece could default on, its, on on some of its debts and, and yet still stay in the Euro region. So I think to understand that, we need to appreciate that Greeks' debt um, is, is quite varied. They've got, between now and June, they've got 15 different debt payments coming up. Um, some of it goes basically to the IMF, some of it is to the ECB, the European Central Bank, but then they also have quite a lot of short-term debt, so-called T-bills, the Treasury bills. And it seems as though, you know, especially when you look towards the IMF and the ECB loans, even if they miss um, a payment towards the IMF, uh, there's all sorts of technical rules in the IMF that says it would be seen as a delayed payment rather than immediately as a default. So there would be a, a warning, you know, and there would be all sorts of measures in place to assist them sort of through that process. And when you look at that short-term government debt, this is something that they can actually roll over and essentially it's Greek um, banks that are buying that debt from them. So they could actually be in a position to continue rolling that debt for a while whilst they're still trying to make plans with their creditors because I think the uh, the, the possibility of a Greek default is definitely on the cards, but maybe it won't be quite as disastrous as um, two, three years ago when this was first mooted. The rest of the European banking system is in a much stronger shape at this stage um, and I think these certainly plans that they would stay in the euro because the you know the the, the, the um, impact that it would have on the rest of Europe if they do leave the the euro region would be quite disastrous not so much because Greece would leave it but because it actually opens up the way for for a gradual dismantling of the euro so I think mm. there's certainly a lot more attempt to keep Greece in the euro region even if they do default on some of their debt payments over the next couple of weeks
0: but if they were to leave the eurozone where do they go well
1: you know, that would be back to either the drachma or it would be, um, you know, there's even talk now of sort of a, a parallel currency um, of IOUs, you know, this this rolling debt sort of idea. So that would definitely leave them out in the cold and I think that would leave the likes of Spain and Italy very vulnerable also. So a lot of focus on, on Spain, Portuguese and Italian debt also. Certainly the debt um, yields have spiked, which means the prices have fallen quite sharply. Um, so there's certainly a lot of nervous around that but I think um, a lot of the southern European nations are looking towards how Greek, Greece will be handled through all of this for some indication of what their future might look like.
0: And then Narina, something that we've become all too familiar with, uh, Japan now dealing with that, uh, their credit rating has been cut uh, by one notch this is by Fitch, what prompted this move and, but what does it mean for global investment flows.
1: Yeah, so um, the, the rating by Fitch has been cut um, to A, and although that sounds still very good, that's five levels below the top rating. And really this was prompted because um, Fitch was not happy that the Japanese government had failed to go through with a plan to increase the sales taxes in their budget. That's similar to, to our VAT, our VAT um, levels. Um, the problem with Japan really is their massive debt load. You know, they're sitting with debt over $11 trillion dollars. It's the highest in the developed world. And the biggest problem is that it's more than twice its average GDP. So this is almost, you know, for, for for two years, all they do is just pay off debt. They would use the entire GDP just to pay off that debt. And so Fitch was really looking to them to to see how are they going to increase their revenue. Sales tax was, was one of the most important ways to do this because last year they already cut, cut corporate tax rates and there's another corporate tax rate cut on the cards. The problem is that last year, when they also increased sales tax, that basically pushed um, Japan back into recession. So the government was very loath to do that. So um, this is really sort of um, put Japan back into the spotlight in term in terms of its own um, quantitative easing program, really trying to kickstart that economy that has been in the doldrums for for more than 20 years, essentially. But what is quite interesting is I think you mentioned that there's a Fed meeting coming up this week again, and a lot of focus now back on the Fed where, again, the expectation is that that first interest rate increase in the U.S. might actually be delayed, not so much because of poor economic growth in the U.S., but because the rest of the world is still in such a bad way. So as a result, we've seen the dollar weaken quite substantially, um, close to that 109 level to the euro and very close to the 120 level to the the, uh, Japanese yen. And as a result, I think we can expect the RAND to be on the stronger side today especially against the dollar Uh, and that might put a bit of a a dampener on on our RAND hedge stocks Um, but overall I think there's a lot of focus now on on what will happen um, between uh, the US and its currency and certainly then the rest of the world.
0: Mm. and um uh, just uh, in parting uh, talking about a stronger rand what does that mean what well, what do you think is in store for domestic markets today are we still in catch up mode or are we suffering from post freedom day hangovers
1: <laughs> well um, maybe some individuals are suffering from post freedom day hangover <laughs> I think it's going to be quite a quiet market on on uh, um, this week in South Africa but the rest of the world would be would be going for at least four days remember for the first of may workers' day is certainly a public holiday that is celebrated. It's probably one after Christmas that is celebrated the widest around the world. Sorry, Christmas and New Year for that matter. Um, but yes, so we will see relatively light volumes and that often means the potential for for more um, exaggerated or extreme moves. I think there's definitely positive and negative forces at play here. We saw the US close down last night, but that was prior to Apple coming out with its earnings reports after hours, which was very, very good. And surprisingly, enough, Apple has now become the largest dividend-paying company in the S&P 500. So a lot of the criticism around technology stocks, that they are overvalued, um, a little bit falls by the wayside when you realize that for the last three years, Apple has been one of the biggest dividend payers in, in certainly in American stocks and uh, the highly cash-generative. So um, obviously in Japan and, and China this morning, um, watching the Fed with, with um, hawk eyes, I think South Africa we will see some positive some negative moves, but battling to find direction this.